The Official Red County Forums Post Title I think I found something strange in the river near Shine Forest. Red Door 43, March 2nd, 8.14 p.m. I just got back from a little hiking trip down near the south of town, near the forest in the title. I was enjoying the view, and as I'm sure you're all aware, it's been hot as hell lately. So, I did what anyone in my position would do and ripped off my shirt and shoes and jumped in. After swimming, or more like bathing, in the river for a while, I noticed from the angle I was at this brief but bright glint in the rocks below, in a nook below the riverside. A bit curious. I tried to swim as close as I could without losing my view. The closer I was to land, the less I could see. I decided the only thing left to try was dunk my head under and survey the situation myself. I could definitely tell it wasn't part of the rock, but I couldn't get a good look at it. Once submerged, holding my breath and trying to ignore the uncomfortable feeling of cold water against my bare eyes, I swam down as quickly as I could to get this over with. But what I found just simply confused me. Embedded in the rocks below was a small little handle, like the handle of a door, one of those lever-type ones you pull down on. The sight of it was a bit shocking and it took me another few moments for the next whammy to smack me across the face. The handle was attached to a door, fairly small but just big enough for an average-sized human to crawl through. You see, from above the water, looking into the current, it looked more or less like a bunch of stones. However, from underneath, you can notice a small indentation of the door against the perimeter of rocks, and what had appeared to be rocks across the door was actually a two-dimensional color graphic, a work of art either painted or printed and pasted digitally. The breath of air I had been holding in my lungs escaped me, and I quickly lifted my head back up to the surface. Breathing in a few fresh lungfuls of air, I tried to think about what the hell I had just seen. A little hatch door on the side of a river under a rocky nook. I tried to think of what the reason for such a thing's existence could be, but I couldn't come up with anything. So, I take it to you. Do any of you know of any reason that latch door would be there? Could it have something to do with the city or some water filtering station or something? I don't know. Again, I'm just confused as hell. Retro Outlet, March 3rd, 5.06 p.m. Hey man, I live near Shine Forest, and I think I know what you're talking about. It's that river that has that gigantic pine tree near the fork a bit downstream, right? Anyways, I worked for the city a few years ago, and still have a couple friends working there. I asked them if there were any sewer tunnels or waste-related things over there, and they denied it. I pressed them a little further, and they said they had nothing going on over there, 
After I got done reading your post and asking my buddies, I decided to walk out back there and see if I could find it myself. I walked up to where the trail is, I assume that's around the area you were, as most are, and snooped around. I did find some kind of shiny thing right around where that bush with the bright red flowers are. Is that where it is? There's no way in hell I'm dunking my head into that bacteria stream without goggles, and ear, and nose plugs. So I just went home after that. Pretty strange, hoping I was at the right place. But yeah, I have no idea what the hell that could be. Red Door 43, March 3rd, 7.05pm Yes, you were at the right spot, and after swinging by there today, I'm 99% sure you saw it. When I arrived, I immediately spotted that bush you mentioned. And yep, after I crossed over a log to the other side, I could see from a distance that it was right there. I didn't really feel like changing my clothes when I got home so I decided to stay out of the river this time. But I cannot believe that the city has nothing to do with this. How the hell would a door large enough for a human to crawl through just appear on the side of a riverbed? Retro Outlet March 4th, 12.48pm I'm glad to know I was at the right place. I'm going to go out there tonight when I get home from work with a flashlight and some swimming gear I borrowed from my cousin and check it out. Maybe I'll have a better idea of what it could be if I saw it up close myself. Red Door 43, March 4th, 6.02pm That's a great idea. Let me know what you think. Guac Flock 7 March 5th, 12.02 a.m. Posting here to get notifications on updates. I live across town and I'm pretty interested to see what y'all find out. Retro Outlet, March 5th, 3.34 a.m. Guys, tonight was just... I, I don't even know how to get into it, but I'll try. When I got home from work around four, I ate a quick snack and then changed into my swimming gear. I got on my swimming trunks, nose and earplugs, eye goggles, the works. I felt pretty geared up for what I thought was going to be a casual little evening. God, was I ever wrong. After finding that bush again and easing my way into the water, I found that glint in the water I'd spotted the day before. Then I took a deep breath and plunged myself under. I halfway bent, halfway swam over to the object, and sure enough, it's just as Red describes. A handle attached to an outrageously poorly disguised door. I quickly ascended back to the surface and caught my breath. I knew I could either head back down there and try to pry it open, or I could check it out for just a bit longer, and then unceremoniously meander my way back to the house. 
when I checked the sun's position in the sky, I was reassured by how early it was. I didn't end up needing to use my flashlight at all, though I kept the waterproof device clipped to my trunks for safekeeping. I decided to use the extra time to try to see if the latch could be opened. I ducked down into the water and reached out to grab the handle. It was much warmer than I had expected a metallic object in a cool river to feel. It was like it generated its own heat or something. And when I applied pressure to the handle, I was shocked to feel it move swiftly and easily all the way down. However, the door didn't budge an inch. I was confused by this, but then decided to pull up with the lever down and see if the door worked that way. And boy, did that do it. Immediately, I noticed the door lifting with enough brute force, and when I pulled it up enough, I realized water was flowing very quickly from the river to inside whatever the hell that door led to. The inside must have been dry. I dropped the door out of surprised fear and regrouped myself above the water for a moment. Uh, I was a bit wigged out by that. I mean, I don't know what I expected, really. But I guess it was just assumed that whatever it led to would also be filled with water, I guess. I mean, how the hell else could it even be built down there anyway? But, regardless, that didn't seem to be the case. I wrestled with my thoughts for a while there. I didn't expect it to open so easily, and I wondered if it would really be smart to explore the thing. Well, with the sun still poised to hang in the sky for a few more hours, I decided to give it a try. I hyperventilated a bit, prepping myself for the attempt, and after one last deep inhale, the kind where you feel like you filled yourself up nearly to the bottom of your gut, I dived down. I grabbed a hold of the handle, and with my right foot against the side of the rock, lifted up with all my might as fast as I possibly could. When water is obviously flooding whatever interior this door leads to, time is of the essence. I was able to lift the door into a nearly 45 degree angle and took a glimpse down to see what it was. And what I saw was the very definition of abyss. Pure darkness, pitch black, shadow distilled into liquid. And that was the very moment a rock, presumably whisked by the current, slammed into my shin. It wasn't a very hard collision, really. But when lifting a very heavy latch, fighting an exiting flood current, and trying to balance all this in the side of a river while holding your breath, it's a little too easy to become unbalanced. My legs slipped directly into the current. I wasn't thinking in that moment. I believe things were moving too fast for me to think anyway. But at the same time, I already knew that with the suction current flowing so quickly inside, 
There was a good chance I'd end up trapped under the latch. The suction flow so powerful, I'd be unable to free myself and drown there in a matter of minutes. So, with nearly half my body already inside the inky void, I curled myself inward and ducked. The whole ordeal from the first slip of my ankle into the current to the door slamming me into darkness from above all took place in the span of about half a second. And about another second later, shivering in the cool darkness, I had a sudden realization. I was breathing. After feeling my sopping wet shirt in contrast to the air around me against my body, I rediscovered my flashlight. I quickly turned it on and frantically waved it around, investigating my situation. And guys, do I mean it when I say, I, I just don't know I have the ability to do what I found justice in my description and recollection. It was just... Okay. So, I'm on all fours, and I turn my flashlight on. Immediately, I find myself in this long, nearly cylindrical tube. It's flat at the top, but curves down into a long, curved oval, the circular round being the floor I found myself on. And at the bottom of the tube, the area I just so happened to be aiming my light when I first turned it on, were hundreds upon hundreds of slits in the metal material. It was like a metal mesh in a way, allowing liquid and fine material through, but holding just about anything else. This area of breathable flooring extended for about a six-foot-long stretch. As I stared through the slits below me, into the infinite darkness that not even my flashlight could illuminate, I realized what had happened to the water. It had drained straight through the latch, down through the underside of this grated tube, and, well, presumably somewhere else. There was never any sound after the last drops passed through the slits, no sound of it ever hitting any kind of floor or splashing against anything whatsoever. I had the most eerie feeling that there was a 10,000 foot drop below me, and I wanted to get the hell out of there. I craned my neck up and around, searching for the knob. I scattered my flashlight around and eventually found the outline of the door, but to my horror, there was no knob on the inside. Nothing but the indentation of the exit. No way out. At least, not here. That's not to say I didn't try, though. I pounded, and pounded, and slammed my hand against the door, pushed as hard as I could. It didn't budge. The knob on the outside needed to be turned to leave it unlocked. Slouching back down onto the grated metal floor, I felt like I had just discovered the moment of my death, and that moment was impending. 
beginning to feel exhausted and not knowing what else to do. I looked behind me, noticing the endless, as far as my flashlight would illuminate, tube in both directions. Not knowing which direction to go in, I chose the easiest route and crawled forward. As I write this now, I'm not sure if that was a good decision or a bad one. I crawled on all fours, my flashlight in my right hand's grasp to illuminate what was in front of me. For a while I was in this solid metal, I imagined steel tube, with an occasional slit on the side. I imagined this was for air circulation, but this eventually began to change. After possibly a few seconds, or a few minutes, the metal of the tube changed to this polished dark wood in a shockingly abrupt transition. Before me, there lay a perfectly straight line going around, connecting from top to bottom in a ring, forming a distinct separation. On one side, steel tubing, and on the other, finished wood flooring from top to bottom. It was absolutely bizarre. But without much choice, I knew I had to keep moving forward. My hands passed the border, and the rest of my body followed. It wasn't long before this wooden part of the tube started widening, the ceiling rising higher and higher as it went along, before I was able to stand up, first on my knees, and then on my feet entirely. And then... As I walked forward on this very uncomfortable, oval-shaped wooden hall, I encountered my first turn, and as I made the turn, I saw my first visible sight, without the need for the flashlight. Noticing a small light in the distance, I flicked off the flashlight and checked to make sure. Yep, I could see it. A small flickering blue light. As I got closer, I realized it was a small, circular, glowing button. Turning on the flashlight once again, I noticed it was actually just to the right of a little door. Probably about the size of the latch I had fallen through to arrive there in the first place. However, instead of painted metal... This door was also made out of finished wood and had a proper doorknob instead of a steel handle. I just observed the sight for a moment, examining the door with my flashlight, but my curiosity wouldn't let me ignore the glowing allure of the blue button. I decided to press it and I distinctly remember feeling uneasy before doing so. As my finger made contact with the cool glass of the transparent glowing bulge, I heard a flute interpretation of a classic ding-dong sound. Immediately afterwards, I heard shuffling behind the door. Now this startled the hell out of me. 
I thought I was alone, so to hear somebody else down here was half exciting and half absolutely horrifying. Partly out of nervousness, I called out, uh, Hello? Is somebody in there? No response. I fell down through this latch in the river, I said. I'm not sure how common that is. Still absolutely nothing. After waiting another 30 seconds or so, I decided to turn the knob I knew would be unlocked and slouching myself back into a crouch, waddled through the door. The moment I cracked open the door, light flooded out, but only dim light, like the kind produced by a fire. It was striking against my sensitive eyes, as I had more and more been coming to the realization that my flashlight may not have been as waterproof as it had advertised, and was increasingly dimming as time went on. This only aided in my anxiety, as you can imagine. Once I crawled inside, I saw what looked like a little one-room log cabin, but just without windows. There was a little wooden desk on one side of the tiny room, and a wooden bed on the other, a fireplace across the room, and I suppose the door I'd come out of. Logs were burning in the fireplace, and I could smell a hint of smoke in the air. Once I had taken the place in, it hit me that everything was about two-thirds the size that they should have been, everything a scale smaller. This being the case, I couldn't really stand up fully. Crouched around, I started checking the place out. I looked at the bed, even considered falling into its soft embrace for a split second, but ultimately decided against it. And then, after a brief pass of the fireplace, I was met with a table. It had an ink pen perpendicular to the edge, and a pad of paper in front of the chair. And when I squinted my eyes to inspect it, the first thing my eyes read took the wind out of my gut. He has only a small flashlight, but even that won't last. My eyes read, widening with every passing word. My jaw dropped and I quickly looked around the room, paranoid. I, I didn't see anyone or anything, and given that the only entrance I could see was the one I entered, through, I decided to crouch down to my knees and read a bit further. The handwritten scribble read, He fell through the opening and started on towards our direction. He seems tired, irritated, and somewhat frightened. He'll be to our space soon. I must hide this place. This cannot happen. 
and we must confiscate the flashlight. I read the paragraph a few times over. What in the hell did that mean? Almost as soon as the words could pass through my mind, the lights went out with a loud crashing sound in the distance of the hallway. I instinctively held my breath, my heart pounding in my chest, and, after just a few moments, I heard and felt the most unnerving, whispery voice in my right ear. Didn't your mother ever teach you not to snoop? I could feel its breath on my ear, and shivers began to work their way up my spine. Still within the darkness, I didn't move a muscle, and didn't say a word. In just a moment, the voice returned. I suppose I know the answer. There was some strange skittering sounds, like a bunch of dogs running across tile flooring. And then the voice came back, though this time a bit farther away, and no longer breathing into my ear. And I suppose you're confused. I waited, the words falling from the air back into silence while I fought lightheadedness as I continued to hold my breath. Seconds doubled, and my tension grew. And afraid, it hissed. I heard it move around behind me, hearing it shuffling and seeming to rummage through something. And then it said, But of what? In an instant, the light returned, following what sounded like two claps of the hands. I slowly turned to the right, first noticing the fire blazing once again, before my eyes settled on the creature about twelve feet away from me. As I did so, the butterflies absolutely losing their minds in my stomach froze up a bit, and I raised my eyebrows in confusion. Standing before me, and somewhat below me, was, as far as I could tell, an elf of some kind. Like, as in fairy tales and fantasy stories. There was what appeared to be a very old man, though only about four foot tall. He was wearing this long, thickly woven hat that, perhaps today would have been called a beanie, connected at the tip to a little pine cone. He had two bushy eyebrows, brown eyes, skin as white as snow, and a beard just gray enough to make out against his face grown all the way down to the floor. He seemed to be wearing red overalls and two thick boots. As my eyes wandered back up, I noticed the thing's ears 
they were pointed at the tops, like an elf. Still afraid? The thing asked, with a smirk nearly hidden entirely by his facial hair. Uh, I... I began. Uh, well, I, I'm definitely a bit confused. Uh-huh. The thing said, turning around towards the fire. Not the first time I've heard that. He began rummaging through a small bin I hadn't noticed besides the fireplace, and eventually pulled out a small but very nice-looking stick, probably about 12 inches. The first time in a while, though. Are, are you a, um, an elf or something? The creature stopped and turned around to look at me straight in the eye. An elf? The man shouted. He then looked around and patted himself on his overall straps as if shocked by the ferocity the phrase came out with. I'm not an elf. I'm a gnome. He then plopped a marshmallow on the end of his stick and shoved it into the roasting fire. I nearly collapsed into laughter, but caught myself just before the first giggle escaped me. This would be kind of hilarious if it made sense, but it didn't. And as I took in the sight before me, a concern began to grow for my safety. Well, um, Mr. Gnome, sorry about the mistake. You see, I, I came in through a latch, and, uh, I think I'd like to leave now. Again, sorry. He turned his head, marshmallow still blazing in the flames, an eyebrow raised. You want to leave so soon, do you? After all the trouble you've brought me. Jeez. It whined, turning back around. What do you mean, the trouble I've caused you? As far as I can tell, I'm the one who's gotten lost in here, man. And I just want to get the hell out of here. I was taken a little aback at the gnome's attitude. Then again, I'm currently a little taken aback that I ended up getting sassy with a gnome. I heard him chuckle, and a moment later he said, You really are ignorant, aren't you? How the hell am I supposed to respond to that? I asked dryly. He started walking towards me, and I tensed in response, but he started waving his hand around. I gotta get in that drawer. Can you step aside? I relaxed and did as he asked. He pulled out this book about the size of a Bible and slammed it down onto the table. In one fluid series of motions, he tossed the book open to a seemingly random page and touched his finger to the page. It reads here, the gnome said. 
that upon discovery by a human or any other material consciousness, the gnome is required to decommission the area and start anew after consultation with the Brotherhood. After reading the line, he looked up at me with an expectant look. I opened my mouth and shook my head slightly, as in, Huh? He quickly looked away, before locking eyes again and berating. It means I have to close up shop, buddy. I have to get rid of everything I've been working on here for the past three years and start this whole process over again. Are you happy about that? What? No, I said defensively. Listen, I already told you I got lost, but I am really sorry about all this, I guess. The last two words were said only in my head. I still barely believed what was happening. Is there anything I can do? I offered. The man had waddled back over to the fireplace, roasting his marshmallow some more. It was beginning to look like a chunk of coal. I'll tell you what you can do, it whispered. Why don't you lay down in that bed over there? Take a load off. I looked over to the mattress and then back to the gnome. Really? I asked. He turned back around and stared me deep in the eyes with an undeniable sense of annoyance. I sat down on the bed. As I felt the soft cushion below my legs, I realized just how exhausted I was. Man, this bed is really comfy, I said, feeling the exhaustion I'd already been dealing with coming to a head. Feel free to lie down, he spoke. I think my head hit the pillow before the last word left his mouth. As I lay there, trying to keep my eyes open, I saw the gnome go about his business. He finally took the marshmallow out from the fire and squeezed it between two crackers. He then walked over, and crouched beside the bed, his eyes meeting mine as I lay on my side. Finally relaxed, staring at this unbelievable sight I would have thought impossible just an hour before, I finally lost it. I started giggling to myself, and that giggling gave way to belly laughs before I coughed out, Oh my god, nobody's gonna believe this. At this, the gnome smiled. The first genuine smile of joy I'd seen, though I felt as though there was something unspoken behind his lips. He looked at me straight and said, Of course they won't, because this never happened. He grabbed my hand with his left and curled my fingers around the stick he'd roasted the marshmallow on. Now close your eyes and count 
I was so dazed and giggly, I obliged without thinking. I closed my eyes, the warm fire wafting towards my legs, the soft pillow beneath my head, and the stick tight in my grasp. One, I spoke. Two came next, and then I conjured. Three. I waited and was met with complete silence. Hello? I asked. After another few moments of silence, I realized I no longer felt the warmth of the fireplace, and the silence was slowly giving way to a low hum. The all-too-familiar hum of an A.C. I opened my eyes into my absolute disbelief, found myself back in my own bed, in my own home. The clock read two in the morning. I've been typing this out since then. Now, uh, obviously, I know what you're thinking, and it's exactly what I thought for the briefest of moments. Wow, I can't believe that was a dream. But then I felt it. The stick still in my hand. I jumped out of bed and ran to the nearest lamp. I switched it on and examined the wood. It was the exact same 12-inch stick I'd seen the gnome use to burn the marshmallow. One tip still singed with gooey, sugary char. My jaw just about dropped to the floor. I, I feel sick right now, to be honest. I feel like I've been through a straight-up ordeal and I don't know if I'll be feeling up to going to work tomorrow, let alone going back to the forest and going through all that again. But I have the stick to prove it, that I'm not crazy, and that all of this still happened. If any of you can go back there tomorrow and check it out, go for it. But I must warn you to not do what I did. Don't go through that door. Please. Now, I'm very exhausted, so excuse me while I pass out. Red Door 43, March 5th, 4.23 p.m. Sweet mother of God, man. When I read your post this morning, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I've been in a shocked daze since, and with the day being rather slow anyways, I decided to sneak out of work a bit early. And the first thing I wanted to do was, of course, check on the discovery. I don't really know what I was planning. I understand you advised against visiting the gnome you claim to have encountered, but a large part of me just couldn't believe it to be real. But it wouldn't turn out to matter, anyways. 
when I got there and crossed to the other side to get a good view. The glint in the water was nowhere to be seen. I checked to make sure I was near the right red-flowered bush, and I was. But for some reason, there was no metallic shine. I was feeling rather curious, so I did what got me into this entire strange mess to begin with, and I ripped my shirt off and jumped into the water. I acclimated to the chilly river for a moment before lining myself up with where I knew the door to be and dunked myself under. I swam a ways towards it before confusion and curiosity turned to just confusion and then a lightning shock of terror. I swam back to the surface and caught my breath, saying to myself, It can't be, it can't be, in an incessant loop. Where there was once a door handle, attached to a door that had obviously been painted to camouflage itself as a collection of rocks from a distance, was simply a real collection of rocks. There was no handle, and the two-dimensional pictures had been turned into real three-dimensional stones. There was no outline of the door either. I double-checked this about three or four times, each time not believing what I'd seen. But I eventually came to terms with it. And I don't know how or why, but somehow, in this little river... A door that was built into the side and had been there up until the day prior was now nowhere to be found. Eventually, I meandered my way out of the river and sat on a rock near the edge. I dried out before eventually sliding back into my shirt. And after a while longer after that, I decided to head home. I decided to walk a different way back to my car than I had before and went a bit off the trail. It actually got so dense and dark in some places, I took out my flashlight to illuminate the way. And it was as I was walking through this rough terrain that I noticed a sparkle, a glint on the forest floor in the distance. Curious, I decided to run up to investigate. When I got close enough to crouch down in front of the object, I found it partially covered under loose leaves. I parted the debris and found before me the very handle that had, up until yesterday, taken up residence on the door of a secret below the river. I picked it up and noticed where it would be attached to the door. It had been horribly singed, but the sight and structure was undeniably familiar. It was the exact handle I had discovered just a few days ago. I had just got home a few minutes ago and have been typing in a mad frenzy ever since. 
I, I, I don't know what there is to take away from all of this. But at this point, I definitely believe Retro on his experience. I mean, if my experience with all of this is true, and wasn't some kind of strange hallucination, then I think just about anything is possible. Perhaps that was always the case to begin with. Perhaps that's the takeaway. Okay. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode of Clancy Pasta, written and narrated by yours truly. Really hope you enjoyed. I would love to hear what you thought of the story and the production in the comments below. And uh, if you would like to get things like ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, access to a series where I read through a book and talk to you guys about it. It's kind of like a book club. Get access to the text of my original stories and much, much more. You can go to patreon.com slash clancypasta. And speaking of which, I, I need to give a huge, huge thanks to last month's patrons. Since it's the beginning of the year, I actually decided I'm just going to go ahead and thank all of my $2 and up patrons because I really appreciate you guys. And uh, I, I really just can't thank you guys enough for continuing to support me on here. So thank you so much to David L., Erect Ostrich 87, Anklomania, Dweller, Shannon M., David L., Nord Raven, Quiet Calamity, Tumultuous Tay, Ali K, King Deset, Thea, James W, Eli One Thirty One, Vaish, Cody H, Aw Bunny, Jess R, Lulu R, Sarah S, Captain M, A Rodko, Vanessa, Angelo L, Amara, Monica A, Stephen W, Folor. Goober, Jessica D, Death Metal, Todd B, Lydia P, Vision of Oblivion, Catman Drinks Coffee, Leia S, Jared B, Dar, David L, Ninja Dad, Obsidian Blade 87, Pamela P, Dexton D, Gen X Josh, Eyeless Jack, and the Oligarch of the Chamber, Gabriel B. So thank you all very much. Thank you to all of my $2 and up supporters uh, across the board and, you know, even lower than that. But those are the names I, I read out today. And uh, just thank you, everyone who supports me on Patreon or YouTube members. Really can't thank you enough. Okay, I think that's about it. Whether you're listening on YouTube or on a uh, podcasting service, I appreciate your viewership and support, listenership and support very much. And I will talk to you all very soon. Have a great night, everyone. Take care. <laughs>